Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. Okay, fantastic. Hi, everyone. We are in Genesis 17. If you want to go ahead and flip there in your Bibles. Good to have everyone this evening on a cold evening. Now, we have started Genesis 17, um, and now we're, we're in the middle of the chapter, so let's just remind ourselves of a couple things. In, as Genesis 17 begins, God renews his covenant uh, with Abraham, um, kind of given it to him, he gave it to him, I should say, in chapter 12, he reiterates some things about that and expands maybe, you might say, a little bit in chapter 15, and then here now in chapter 17. Um, he is given a sign of that covenant, um, which is circumcision. Um, so we, we learned last time we were together that the last verse of chapter 16 tells us Abraham, at that time his name was Abram, was 86 years old. And then the first verse of chapter 17 tells us that he was 99 years old. So there's a 13-year gap that we don't know if uh, God spoke to him or... In, in the sense of an audible way or appeared to him as we have in these instances, it seems as if there was a period of um, silence that Abraham, kind of like you and I do on a daily basis, just had to trust the Lord and walk with him and um, live out the life of faith uh, without any uh, big amazing signs and all that stuff. So that's kind of fun. Uh, then we learned about uh, the institution of the sign of circumcision. <laughs> Uh, and we spent some time considering why that may be the case, what that signifies. Remember that Abraham was justified long before uh, circumcision was introduced, to him at least. Um, and that's just simply a sign of the covenant, mm-hmm. a sign of the work that the Lord had done. Um, and that is our background. All right. Anybody else want to add anything to the background? Good. All right, so let's, let's pick up in verse 15. We're going to read to verse 21, okay? Uh, again, chapter 17. It says, Now God said to Abram, Abraham now, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I'll bless her, and moreover, I will give you a sign by, oh, excuse me, a son by her. I'll bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face, and he laughed. And he said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call that son's name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and multiply him greatly. His father, uh, he shall father twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Okie doke. So, uh, not the last verse of the chapter, but... uh, portion of the closing of the chapter. Um, So, we've already seen that Abram's name is changed from Abram to Abraham. Uh, What did Abram mean? Anybody recall? Exalted father. Okay. All right. Exalted father. It's a nice name, right? You sure? 
Would you like that name? When if you're 99 and well, you wouldn't. No, <laughs> the ladies wouldn't. But if you were 99 and had no children, would you like people calling you Exalted Father every day? And it doesn't seem like you're just kicking uh, dirt in a guy's face or whatever, or throwing salt in his wound or whatever. Anyway, his name was uh, Father of Many, and then his name is changed to, or Exalted Father, his name is changed to Abraham, which means? Father of Many Nations. Father of Many <laughs> Nations. Now that just worse, isn't it? Oh, come on now, you know, whatever. Imagine again, though, this guy coming back home, so, you know, he's father of many or whatever, and that's just a tough moniker for him, but then he comes home and he tells everyone, hey, God changed my name to father of many nations. They probably thought he was crazy. Um, oh, this poor guy, he's getting older and he's starting to see things or something, you know, so his name is changed from father of many to father of many nations. Now, his wife's name, and her name was Sarai, or something like that, um, and it's changed to Sarah. Uh, Sarai means, anybody know? Mother of nations. Mother of nations. I've heard that, actually. Something close to that. My, my princess. My princess, okay. Anybody else have something? Sarai means my princess. My princess. Sarah means what he's saying, yeah. uh-huh. So, uh, hey, so hey who? means multiplication when you add it because it's like the Hebrew, uh huh. It's in Abraham and also in Sarah, mm-hmm. yes, so it is. If you add that onto it, that's why it's, it means more, it gets to the family. idea of multitude. Mm-hmm. All right, so Sarai is sort of one princess, um, but Sarah is the princess of many or many nations or a multitude. Um, in both cases, what'd you say? Hey? Yeah. Hey! <laughs> All right. Or <laughs> 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 throw that in there. In both cases, the H was added, what we call the H. Fifth letter of the Hebrew al- alphabet. Um, as a matter of fact, the number five is that symbol. Um, so that's kind of fun. And it means, as you just ruined it for me, thank oh, you. I'm sorry. That's all right. What's it mean, good buddy? It means great. It, it is a number which, when it appears in Scripture, it almost is always speaking of grace. And, and so the Lord's grace in the life of Abram and Sarah, they just made a one chapter earlier, 13 years earlier, but one chapter earlier, they just made this kind of fleshly decision to go their own way, do their own thing, help God out. Um, but God in his grace comes and he finds them, speaks to them, and he's going to continue to fulfill his covenant with them. Didn't give up on them. And that good news? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he should. Doesn't give up on us. I know that. That's good. <laughs> That's a good thing. So, verse 16, uh, the Lord says, I'll bless her, and moreover, I'm going to give you a son. Now, I underlined the word by, by her, as opposed to, you know, you're coming up with some plan or whatever. Uh, I'll bless her, and she'll become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Now, I mean, imagine. Like, okay, so it's one to have one king in your family line or, you know, in the sense of where they're passing it down hereditary, like, okay, so we have a family line. But we're talking about nations, lots of them, that uh, these kings are going to come, or reverse that. We're talking about kings, many kings coming from here, and ultimately the king of kings. The king, the other point I'm going to make is referring to Ishmael in a moment. But God makes it very clear here. It's going to be by her. Uh, that his covenant is going to be accomplished. Um, not any scheming, not any works of uh, of Abraham helping God out or kind of assisting God in this promise. Um, this is a promise made to a man and a woman 
that are 99 and 89. Um, well, they live so much longer then. Um, I think Sarah was 137 when she died or whatever. Abraham was 175. Um, but they're still up there. And as we're going to see in the next chapter, Sarah's going to say some things that make it clear that it is no longer humanly possible um, for them to have this child. And so God's going to have to intervene. Um, so this is, uh, this is quite something. Mm-hmm. Now verse 17, Then Abram fell on his face and he laughed. And he said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who, who is a hundred? Um, shall Sarah, who is ninety, bear a child? Um, now both of them are a year younger than the dates listed there, but by the time the child's born, they'll both be those ages that are there. Now let's talk about Abram's laughter. Many of you perhaps are familiar with Sarah, and that's the next chapter. We're going to look at it tonight, mm-hmm. if the Lord allows. She laughs, and she's kind of critiqued for it, criticized for it by the Lord there, um, not just by us sitting here thousands of years later, but mm-hmm. um, because her laughter was one of sort of, uh, psh, yeah, right, mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of laugh, cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about Abraham's laugh? Is he the same kind of laughter as his wife? Uh, or a different kind of laughter, and if so, what would that be? Talk amongst yourselves, mm-hmm. as Mark says. It sounds like he humbled himself a little bit because he went, you know, down, prostrated himself before the Lord. Fell on his face, okay. So humble, a little bit more humble. Than a previous time, you mean? Uh, no, than, than Sarah. Oh, I see. Okay, so there's a difference in there, and in your opinion, it's based on the fact that he falls on his face. That that yeah. that posture is clearly something different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't understand it, you know, but I really believe you, but I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> okay. How about someone else? Seems like he was rejoicing, and the Lord... There's not, no evidence that the Lord rebuked his action. Okay. So he's rejoicing. His laughter is just one of joy. This is hard to believe. I can't believe it in the sense of not, I won't believe it, but I just can't believe it. This is great. Yes. Except that he then says, oh, that Ishmael could be the one. Yeah. <laughs> what about that, John? <laughs> but I was going to say yeah. Why were you going to say yeah? Well, I'm going to say, because that's like the other kind of laughter, laughter can be right. There's laughter of doubt and laughter of, like, joy, uh, totally beyond your expectation. Uh-huh. Or it could be nervous laughter, I don't know. I was going to say nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I think Abraham believes that it was going to happen. He wasn't <laughs> cynical. Yeah, one second. Okay, you got, you're done? Yeah. I'm you done. said what you want to say? Yeah. Great, now you were saying something. What were you saying? Uh, uh, Abraham, when God said this to him, he believed it. He wasn't, there was no doubt, there was no cynicism. Well, how, how do you work in then verse 18 to that? Mm-hmm. Like, where like is that? saying, like, really? Huh? Like, really? Like, what about Ishmael? Where Sarah was saying, yeah, yeah come on. In there. That's, in Hebrew. that's in the original Hebrew. I think it was a difference of heart. <laughs> maybe okay. not in rejoicing, but maybe in surprise. Like, a surprised, like, what? Like, seriously? Okay. Like, it's not necessarily doubt, but it's like, so it's not unbelief. Right. It's not doubt. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, I don't either. Um, 
All right, now let's turn, please, in our Bibles to chap Romans chapter 4. If you would please turn there. Romans 4 talks about this, maybe not this exact situation, but this whole idea of um, Abraham's going to give birth, well, his wife is, to a child, and um, so it could happen five weeks after this, I don't know, but um, starting in verse 17, I guess we'll start in 16, it makes a little more sense, it says, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all of his offspring, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, verse 17 is where it gets into it. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. Remember, his name was changed to that, meaning, in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. And that's why he is, it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, that's pretty convincing that he certainly wasn't unbelieving, right, or disbelieving. Um, it's, it's possible, I think, well, let me, let me ask you this. Is it possible that this absolute belief that God is able to do what he's going to do and confidence in what the Lord has said comes in after verse 18 or so. Um, that that's when, nope, it's going to be you. Verse 19 says it. It's going to be you. It's going to be Sarah. You're going to have a child. And then he believed at that point, no problem. Absolutely, that's the way it's going to be. But here, perhaps he is thinking, I don't know about this, Lord. What about my son Ishmael? Let it be through him. Is that possible as a, a way to work kind of verse 18? And verse 18 gives me a little trouble as to, okay, well, how does that fit in here? Uh, and I, I just don't know necessarily. I do know this for certain. Come verse 19, Abraham is believing and having, he's excited about this and God's going to do this within a year. Um, so... Any other thoughts on that? You yeah, one of my one of my notes says that maybe Abraham thought that Ishmael would be Sarah's spiritual son, mm -hmm. and that maybe he was confused initially by what he had heard, and that's how he may have viewed it. Mm -hmm. Yep. What were you saying, ma'am? Uh, it just—it didn't seem um, unbelieving or disrespectful to me. It just seemed like, but wait a minute, like I already have Ishmael. Like it just seemed like I don't get it. Where does he thing. fit into the equation? Yeah, or? like well, wait, how is that going to be? Like it didn't seem like it was challenging or unbelieving. It just seemed like, wait, now I'm confused because like you're maybe saying, like Mary said, you know, well, how's this to be? Yeah. Compared with because we John can't the Baptist's dad, who was like. 
This ain't happening. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I jotted down a few things regarding verse 18. Um, possibly Abraham is struggling with believing the unbelievable. Um, and so he says, let's maybe it'll be a spiritual kid or whatever we talked about that. Um, I jotted down he might be trying to help God out. You know, we're old people, so how about Ishmael do it? Um, perhaps he's trying to legitimize his work of the flesh um, from chapter 16. Um, or maybe even wishing that Ishmael would be good enough to accomplish God's purposes. And I really like what one person commented is how sometimes we ask God to bless, the way he said it, Lord, bless my mess. That, you know, we, we kind of go down this path, we do these things, and then we want the Lord to just kind of, you know, just, shouldn't that be good enough, Lord? Just use that, accomplish, work through that, or whatever. So, I don't know exactly. I do know this. Whether Ishmael was born through Hagar or Sarah, he's still Abraham's kid. And, he probably, and I'm sure he loves him, you know what I mean? And and he doesn't want him thrown down at the curb or something like that. Um, and so... He raises the question of Ishmael. Well, at least initially, he's a good kid. <laughs> Did I say he's a good kid? Is that what you said? Well, you said he's he still loved my him. kid. I, yeah. I think, too, there's that big period, uh, 86 and 99. I mean, there was a time period where we don't have anything at all. Maybe yeah. Abram didn't have anything at all. Maybe during that time period, he thought, well, I got my son a promise. Mm. And then God's bringing up, hey, you're going to have a son through Sarah. Wait a minute, what about? Really? Yeah. What about this kid? Yeah. That's a good point. What does it say at the end of uh, Genesis 16? Does the Lord ever... And it says, Hagar bore him a son. Abram called his name... Uh, Abram called his, na- his son's name Hagar, which bore him Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. And then it starts up in verse 17. When Abram was ninety, was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. Right. There's a 13-year period. Is there anywhere in the chapter where the Lord says to Abram, what, did you, what are you doing? Or anything like that? I don't think there is, is there? No, I don't think so. There, um, there's obviously the Lord speaking to Hagar, and, and perhaps she told Abram some things he said, but... When it was Sarah he, said some things to him. Sarah said some things to... to Abram. Yep, in verse she 6. She was upset with him. Yeah, I love that. You told me to do it. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. I did it. Um, okay, well, anyhow, that's uh, fun to consider. You define as fun, but I define it right. as fun. <laughs> anyway, again, uh, in verse 19, it says, no, it's going to be Sarah who's going to bear a son. Uh, as much as Abraham might wish that you know, God could just bless you know, his work of the flesh, it's not going to be Ishmael. Well, he is going to bless. He's going to bless Ishmael. But not as not the fulfillment of the covenant, right. Um, and we'll talk about that, Mark. Uh the child is named, what do we call this kid? Isaac. Isaac. It's going to be Isaac, which means to laugh. laughter. And uh, that's kind of explained in the next chapter. Um, we could look it up, certainly, but it's explained in the next chapter. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. Ironic. 
It's ironic. <laughs> Why? Because she laughed. Well, yeah, now yeah. both of them, every time both they call the kids' names, they're going to be like, oh, mm-hmm. I remember that day. Yeah. They laughed when the Lord told them they were going to have All right. So we'll come back to that idea of laughter when we get to Sarah. Verse 20, as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Um, so what about Ishmael? Verse 18, behold, I blessed him and will make him fruitful, multiplying him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. Um, so not the son of the promise, does, is not a central point of the Bible, really, from this point on. He, he is mentioned uh, again, but um, really everything's going to now go through Isaac from this point on. Um, still born, as I said, it, very late in Abram's life, no doubt very much loved by Abram. Uh, but God makes it clear that uh, though Ishmael will be cared for, blessed, and very fruitful, he's not the son of the covenant, son of the promise. And I pointed out, I think two weeks ago, that today there's some 100 million people that trace their lineage back to Abraham through Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Um, compare that with about 20 million people that uh, trace it back through Isaac of Jewish descent. So certainly this kid, uh, he would want to be very fruitful. Um, so on. All right. But again, 21, but I'm going to establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah... Uh, we'll bear, bear for you, to you. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, let's read the next part. I guess it starts with verse 22. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all those born in his house, or bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised, and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. That was quite a day. (laughs) (laughs) Moyle was busy. (laughs) Who was busy? Moyle. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's go back and take a look at these. Uh, Notice verse 22, when he had finished talking with him, uh, the Lord left, if you will, from this appearance. Uh, What does Abraham do in verse 23? He gets right to it, okay? Um, God had instructed him what to do. Abraham doesn't take some time to think about it, doesn't plan some special occasion way down the road or whatever. He just gets... He just gets right to it. Um, you know, I think sometimes we can talk ourselves out of what the Lord has kind of uh, spoken to us or ministered to us. And um, either it gets so far away from the time that he has kind of spoken into our lives that we just either forget about it or we move on or we say to us, so that's too late, to, I should have done it earlier, but I didn't, so forget it. Uh, but Abraham, very quickly... Um, and faithfully, and what I mean by that is full of faith, he obeys. Remember, if he's got some enemies, Abraham does. He's going around, he's called, caused some trouble um, that we've seen here, and now everyone's incapacitated for, all the men at least, for a week. I don't know how long that's going to be, but for a little bit of time, and, and Abraham there has to trust. And so there is that. We see the sons of Jacob using that as a tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's right. 
everybody know that passage that Mark's talking about? Tell us, Mark. So, they had a, the, you know, Judah, Simeon, all the brothers had a sister named Dinah, I believe. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and she was defiled by one of the local Philistines. And they basically said, you have to marry her, and all your men have to be circumcised, or else we're going to come and kill you. And so, they, I guess the guy convinced all his kin to be circumcised, and while they were healing, all the, the, all the Jews went over and killed them anyways. They took advantage of the uh, the downtime, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally. And and I have to tell you, I don't feel bad for them at all because they shouldn't have done what they did. Um, but that's because I'm a hard-hearted person um, who's a little vindictive. Anyhow, I'm working on it. Uh, would you please turn in your Bibles again to James chapter two? It's toward the back of your Bibles. Because I want to look at something in the New Testament and try and make a correlation between Abraham's actions and what the Lord calls to you and I. Okie dokie. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in chapter 2, starting in verse 14, it goes, we're going to read down to verse 26, okay? Uh, so it says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things that needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, Well, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way also, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as their body, for as the body is apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, you as we look at that, taken out of context, there's some verses there that are kind of concerning to evangelical Christianity uh, because they, they seem to give the impression that it's not faith alone that allows a person admittance into heaven, faith in the right thing, certainly, Jesus. Um, and it seems almost a contradiction to other somewhat famous verses, well-known verses, like, for by grace you are saved through faith, not as of works, lest anyone should boast. Um, I, I believe it was Martin Luther who wanted to keep the book of James out of the canon of Scripture, because he said that it, it didn't teach salvation by faith alone. Uh, and it was basically based on this passage here. So, what's the deal? Are we uh, are we missing something? Or does this teach something that's slightly different from what a book like Ephesians teaches, for instance? Do James and Paul have different theologies? No. No, you don't think so? No. Uh, me either. <laughs> okay. How come, Ruth? How come? Um, I think if you understand that... When you are saved by grace, 
that you want to do what is pleasing and you want to do what you can to serve the Lord as opposed so then your example is you've been saved by grace so you're on a plateau that your works or your example of your life is going to show that grace coming through your works Okay. as opposed to the works are going to get you anything at all it's like you want to please your father you want to please your heavenly father you want to please your earthly father and how to do that by being bad or being good hmm. and you still can't be totally good on your own it's true and that's still where grace comes in but that's my I got you. All right, somebody else comment either about what Ruth said or the initial question. But it, I think it's the example of the fruit of having faith and having that relationship with God. It's the fruit that comes out of you is that you want to reflect Jesus' love. Okay. So if you look at it as, a, as an equation, so you've got faith as F, faith, <laughs> works, and salvation, right? It depends on where you put the W, where you, where you lie on your... How, what salvation works. So faith faith plus works equals salvation, or faith equals salvation plus works. So it depends on which side of the equation you put the works. Hmm. So maybe the Catholic Church takes this and says, no, it's faith plus works equals salvation. The evangelical, and the Bible believer, I would say, says, no, uh, faith equals salvation plus works. Hmm. Another way of part of it is, you're saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. Mm. That's very good. Two little catchies. What's that? Two little catchies. I like it. I like it a lot, actually. All right. Anybody else want to add to that? That's pretty good stuff. How we treat the apple of his eye. I'm sorry, what? Uh, the apple of his eye. The Jews? Yeah, okay. Israel. Okay. What, how, what's the connection? Um, there's a, well... Because God, because they're God's chosen people. Yeah. So I think, uh, um, like, you notice, like, um, how, like, there's a lot of bad things happening in the world now. Yes. Every time that happens, anti-Semitism goes up. So, I don't know, this whole thing, obviously, I mean, that, but, um, but I think it's, I think that will that um, somehow it's all connected to the Jews and how we treat them because that's the apple of God's eye. Okay. So, and I, I agree with what you're saying. How is that connected to the conversation here about faith plus works or um, equals works? Because work? it kind of fits in with the works, I guess. Well, it kind of fits in with both, really, if you look at it. But, like, uh, the works that we do, like... Um, like, like, yeah, we're saved by faith, but, like, you know, if we, but if our works aren't showing the same, you know, I guess, or something, like. Then one could question the person's faith, is that, that yeah, the idea? Yeah. Yeah, and, and certainly there's, there's a balance here, because like Ruth said, we know we're not perfect. You know, and we know sometimes our works are going to contradict our faith and, and things like that. Um, so there, there certainly has to be this balance. But 
if if our life isn't impacted at all by our faith, and by life I mean our manner of living, then one has to wonder um, about the work that was actually done in our hearts through faith. Um, so it's going to manifest itself. So I bring it up here. Now obviously it mentions Abraham. It talks about the fact that he, he would offer his son Isaac. That's a few chapters later. But I bring it up here as a demonstration of a man whose faith prompted action, we'll call it works, immediately following. And that that's a demonstration that there was indeed a work that God was doing in his heart, and he demonstrates that by the work that he does. He gets right to it, um, circumcises himself, his one son who's already alive, as well as everyone that is in his household. And I think there's some things in there as well for us. It's one thing for me to know what God wants and dictate that everybody else do that. You know, so, yeah, okay, I'm Abraham, you know what, Ishmael, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're going to need to be circumcised, and all my employees, you're going to need to be circumcised. And you could almost see him convincing himself that he doesn't need to be circumcised. I'm 99 years old. I've been around. I don't need, I don't need these things in my life anymore. Or, you know what, I'm too old to change. Or I'm too old to have these things in my, my life, but my kids, I'm glad God's doing a work in my kid's heart. But here's a guy who knows how much longer he thinks he's going to live, but he's up there in age. <laughs> he does, well, I my guess so. My doctor said I shouldn't do it, my heart That's right. <laughs> but he says, you know what, I want God to change me. I would hope that each of us, right up to the end of things here on the earth, particularly if we live out our years here on the earth, Right up to the end of the things, we're seeking the Lord and we're asking him to search us out and to change us. That's what God wants from us, that we never come to this place where we've arrived and, and now the message we have is just for other people or things like that. So that's one thing. Second one, I think there's, there's a good, I, we could apply this, you own a business. In this case, he's got all these people that work for him or his servants that uh, he's uh, acquired um, you own a business, you're a manager of business, something like that. And he basically says to them, hey, you want to work here? <laughs> you're going to work here? This is the standard of what that means. And, you know, I think, I mean, I, I run a business in a sense, this one. Um, we have expectations for the people that are going to work here, and it's kind of they know what they are before they come here, and they, we're all Christians here. Uh, but, you know, you work in a secular place, Sometimes in your mind you might think, well, you know, I have these morals, I have these convictions, but who am I to, you know, who am I to put that off on other people? I would suggest this, you're the boss and you're in charge. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to come to prayer meeting or whatever, or come to the company Bible study, but the standards of morality that you've set for yourself and you believe that the scripture has set for you, I think you have every right to establish that and set that as the tone of what how this place is going to operate. Mm -hmm. And so I see that also kind of here uh, as an example of this, that Abraham, he takes his whole family or household, it says, and he has all of them circumcised. What kind of a deep, oh, what kind of a day of work was that? Uh, we're doing what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, we were having an outing. Yeah, you know, just to wrap up that love, yeah. that love of Israel thing. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely say personally, I mean... I knew Jewish people. I went to Cornell, which was like 50% Jewish people from New York City. And I didn't like a lot of them. A lot of them were very pushy and whatever. But when God saved me, there was a change in my heart that I started. I loved 
God's people. And I, can, I, I think a lot of Christians can say that. That when God saves you, it, it's not something that you're, you're, it's not a work that you're bringing up saying, okay, now God says I have to love him. It's just, it's a manifestation of God has saved you and there, he puts this love in your heart for Israel and the people of Israel. Not to say, again, the state of Israel could be wrong, but the, the bigger picture. Israel, yeah. yeah. Right. And it just comes out. It's not like it's, and I think that's what, I think that's what James is talking about, that if you say you have faith, it better be showing itself. And that's it's what you said organic, about fruits. It's right. an organic process. It's not just going to sit there and, yes, I have faith, and not help the person that needed food or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah, it's not checking off boxes. It's just right. you're, you're compelled. Okay. Yeah, well, I think I just think it's possible. I believe it's possible to say yeah, and, and it's possible to actually believe. I think that Jesus is Lord, and not really have the faith we're talking about. I mean, he even says here that mm-hmm. demons also believe mm-hmm. and they shudder. So I think you can have faith that Jesus is Lord. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you're following him and he's your Lord. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's yeah. how it would work together then with the, the works. And because, like you said, like um, because they believe that Jesus is Lord and they shudder, well, demons don't do anything good. You know? <laughs> so. no. yeah. What were we going to say, Judy? Just um, how many people do you know who? We spoke of something to that effect in Matthew not too long ago, uh, three, four weeks back. Mm-hmm. Um, how many are going to... But I know you, I did this, Lord, I did that, Lord, and yet they didn't know him. So It's sad, um, but our calling is to kind of help people understand rightly what it, what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. Well, I guess the other thing, too, is we know a lot of people that are probably nicer than we are and do a lot of nice things. And yet, there's no, they're not doing it because, out of love for God. Right. Glory to God. They're they're doing it either to you know, and some people might be genuinely just yeah. love people, right? But they're not. It's the wrong motivation. So, because right. this, so this pro, this doesn't. It says, show me your, show me your. What does it say? Say, show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my, faith by my works. Mm-hmm. So that it, the opposite doesn't, doesn't happen. Just because you're doing works doesn't mean that you have faith, and doesn't mean that you're saved. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. important yeah. to say, mm-hmm. too. Because yeah. the thief on the cross never was able to do a good work. <laughs> right. He defended Jesus. He did. <laughs> good work. Well, that's a pretty big one, I guess. Uh, he did one. <laughs> he did one good. But you're right. I agree. All right, let's go on. Verse 24. Uh, Abraham, Abraham was 19, excuse me, he was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son was 13. And that very day they were circumcised, and all the men of the house... Uh, as well. Now we move into verse 18, or excuse me, chapter 18. And it says, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. Right, so no TV, not sitting around watching. You know, just on the porch. Sitting out on the front porch rocking, you know, hoping somebody comes walking by. When he saw them, he was delighted. He ran from his tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth, and he said, Oh, Lord, uh, if, 
let's read. If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought. Wash your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree while I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and he said, do everything I just told these guys. You know, he said, quick, three seahs of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, and he took a calf, tender and good, and he gave it to the young man who prepared it quickly. Then, then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and he set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> Sit next to me. Stand and watch me eat. But anyway. All right, let's go on. Uh, verse 1. The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. And that's all caps, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> all right, so let's take notice of that. Look in verse 1. Um, I would suspect all of our versions do this. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Mm -hmm. And then look down to verse 3, where Abraham is speaking, and he says, O Lord, capital L, small o, small r, small d. Okay? That's, that's significant. Um, in your Old Testament, when you see it with the four capital letters there, anyone know what that's speaking of? Jehovah, Yahweh. Okay. So it, that's Yahweh God, okay, when it says that. If it's a Capital L, small O-R-D? Master. Okay, I mean the master. Now, in the New Testament, it doesn't follow this pattern. So Jesus is referred to as Lord, capital L, small O-R-D. That would be more like the, you're my God, kind of. And then the, you also see in the New Testament just four small letters. Small L, small O, small R, small D. And that's, that's the idea of master. Day. That's what you're, okay, same idea, all right? But, so notice the difference then of the all four caps and uh, non-capitalized, we'll say that, okay? Um, so, we'll talk more about it, but just tuck that into your head there. All right, so it says, now the Lord appeared to him by the Oaks of Mamre. Significance of the Oaks of Mamre? It's one of the places he lived before. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, very good. I don't know if there's any significance Mine to the Oaks of Mamre. Mine says Terebinth trees. Okay. I'm just looking up real quick if it means anything. Yeah, I have that too um, as a note. I'm not sure there's great significance to it. I was just... Mine says Plains. So there they are. They're, they're resting from the, the heat of the day. Uh, he's by this tree here. That's where he set up his little home, his tent. Um, once again, the Lord appears to him. What do we call an Old Testament appearance of, of God in Theophany. kind of the flesh? Theophany. Theophany. Now, Mark brought up the idea of a Christophany. Um, the idea is God appears in the flesh pre-incarnate Jesus. Um, now, these two events, the one that we started tonight with, and now this one, in, in, I don't know about your version, but my Bible, it doesn't have a heading on top of chapter 18. It just kind of runs right into it. Um, these are not necessarily, you know, two seconds after chapter 17 ends, um, but it has to come in with, within like a two or th 
three-month period of the other one. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at chapter 17, Sarah's told she's going to have a baby this time next year. We know that takes nine or ten months uh, is the process to have a baby. And when he speaks to Sarah a little bit later on, she's not yet pregnant. So it's in that window there, a month or so, perhaps after chapter 17. Um, so Abram's sitting out there. He lifts up his eyes. group of people, three guys, um, men come, uh, come walking up there. Um, he sees them. He runs out to them. He bows to the earth. And then he says, Oh, Lord, small l, or you know what I mean, small letters, if I found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. A question. Does Abraham know who these people are? I don't think so, based on the fact that he calls them capital L, small o, small r, small r, small d. I think he knows there's something significant going on here. This isn't just, you know, Joe Schmo walking by. That this is something, but I'm not sure he knows. Now he said, well, wait a minute. If the Lord already appeared to him three other, four other times... Doesn't he recognize him? Doesn't necessarily mean the appearance is the same every time. Um, and so uh, he knows something significant is walking up here. Well, there were three. Um, there's three this time as well. So who are these three? Is this the Trinity? No. I don't think so. So who are the three? One is the Lord, right? L, capital L's, O R and D's. Because it says that in verse chapter 1, uh, verse 1. And the Lord appeared. So one of them is the Lord. The other two? Angel Bruce and Peter. Angel Bruce and Angel Peter. Angels. They, I think they're angels. Um, that never comes out and says that they're angels, but I think that's what they are. They're angels. It does. Later. It does. Yeah, later. Another chapter. Another chapter. Okay. All right. So it does. They're angels. There you go. But he also, could this just be the custom, right? You well, said he just wait, he's just waiting around, there's no TV, and all of a sudden uh-huh. strangers come up, and isn't that the custom there, they have to feed you? Yes. Remember we went to Abraham's tent. Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> you got to go to Israel with us, friends. <laughs> we go to this place, it's called Abraham's tent. It is the most fun experience in the world. And he never sat down and ate with us either. No, he didn't. Did he run out and bow down to you? Did he not? He came out and he welcomed us. He welcomed us. Yeah. He's very friendly. Yeah. Very friendly. It's like a Disney World place. Yeah. Cool. So the guys pretended. Who ride a camel? That's about the. But one boy, ride. the view. Remember the view? The view was great. Yeah, we're trying to make y'all jealous. Yeah. But there's this view. And but the just, com- but the idea of being hospital, hospitable. Uh huh. Uh Notice, notice in verse eighteen where or no no I'm sorry chapter eighteen, in verse two where it says he ran he bowed himself to the earth. Um, that's a term which could mean worshipped, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to mean worshipped. Mm-hmm. It could just mean show homage, and mm-hmm. it seems that's the context here, that he went out, he showed respect uh, to these people. Um, now, this guy has just been told again that basically he's the most important person on the entire planet because his kid's going to be the Messiah of the world, and yet... These visitors come, and he, he runs out, and in humility, he bows down before them, and he does all these things that you see there. And I, I, I just appreciate that about him. Um, regardless of his place in life, he, he's still a servant of God. Uh, and so um, he can maintain humility, and, and I think that's uh, important. 
Um, he refers to himself as their servant twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we read this already. I'll just kind of skim it. In verses 4 through 8, he, um, he brings water to wash their feet. He has them sit down under a tree. He prepares bread and meat their calf and and all of these things and um he, he provides for these guys here and as mark said earlier that was the culturally mandated way to treat travelers and guests um mm-hmm. but if you notice though you know there's a lot of culturally mandated ways that you can do it but everyone knows you don't want to do it um, he certainly doesn't give that impression um he reminds me of the traditional Italian grandmother mm. who wants to feed everybody. You know what I mean? And you're like, everybody feed you. And I was like, I'm not hungry, ma'am. You know? Yeah. you go to Italy, you could be walking past somebody's house and they'll for a cappuccino. I like it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, he seems to be taking great delight in having his wife cook a meal for these people, <laughs> which I think well, is funny. she's only 90, so. And sacrificial in that, you know, he prepares a calf as a well. Mess. A uh, good one. A good calf. Yeah. A small meal. Not a bad calf. Interesting, too, before the dietary laws, they had curds hmm. and meat at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you see that there? Yeah. Does everyone know that in the dietary laws of Moses, you can't do that? No. I, I went to... No cheeseburgers. I went to McDonald's <laughs> in... Uh, <sighs> In, in Israel, and oh. there was a picture on the wall yeah. of a cheeseburger. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, great, because I, I hate, I really don't like burgers without cheese. I'm going to bring my own cheese next time. And in this case, there's a picture on the wall of a cheeseburger. And so I was like, great, I guess here they do that, you know, because more visitors were in Jerusalem. So I said, I'll take a cheeseburger. And this Jewish guy started yelling at me, you know, for my insensitivity or something like that. I'm like, look, buddy, there's a picture. I said on the wall. Back off. You know, they had a big gun. You know, so. different sets of flatware. You, you prepare the foods completely differently. Luckily, it wasn't a bacon cheeseburger. There's two kitchens in one kitchen now. Well, remember how the restaurant was. In the morning, you could have milk and yogurt and all that stuff right. because there was no meat well, there was no right. meat right. and in the evening right. you couldn't get any cheese with anything but uh, you could have meat up the wazoo that's right I forgot <laughs> about that yeah that was at the hotel and butter no butter for your bread in the no evening because there was meat what's that I missed my sausage in the morning <laughs> salad in the morning was good for a while oh, yeah. salad in the morning yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright so I uh I made the point that Abraham doesn't necessarily know who these people are. Um, he is showing the respect of the culture. Perhaps he knows there's something about these guys. I'm reminded of in Luke 24, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They don't know that it's Jesus, but they do say, didn't our hearts burn within us? You know, they, there's something about it that they know. So maybe something like that's going on with Abraham. Um, but either way, uh, these angels, he provides them food. Then they say to him, in verse 9, where's your wife, Sarah? And he said, she's in the tent. And the Lord said, I'll surely return to you about this time next year, and she will have a son. Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Nosy. And now, <laughs> I don't know why she, no, whatever. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of woman, women 
had ceased to be with Sarah. So, um, you know, we say, well, you know, she lived to be 137. She's really only like 43 or something. She could have a kid. But notice here it says, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed at herself. Some of your versions say within herself. To herself. Um, to herself, yeah. That, that's a big difference, and I'm going to come back to that in a minute. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at that appointed time, at the appointed time, I'm going to return this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. But Sarah denied it and saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh, no, but you did. I love this little interaction here. Um, all right, so let's go back. Um, here, these angels come, and they reiterate a promise to Abraham, which they just reiterated to him at the most two or three months earlier in chapter 17. Why do this? Why come and reiterate it again? God always confirms what he's going to do. I guess. Does he always? It's three or four, isn't it? Is it the third or fourth time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the other one was just a month earlier, a couple months earlier. Encouragement? Could be, yeah. It could be Abraham was... Tired. Maybe he maybe he convinced his wife that we're gonna do it. You know, don't you know? I know it was 25 years earlier that I had you leave our home and all that stuff, and whatever. But God just came to me. She was like, "You're crazy. I'm not going down that path." Then he said, "No, really." He said it, and he believed it, and she starts believing. But then a week goes by, and three weeks go by, and a month goes by, three months goes by, and maybe they're beginning to doubt again. And the angels come in and they say, this time next year, you can write it down. I don't know. Maybe that's what's going on here. Would it be more for Sarah then? I think so. I, I definitely think so, based on Romans. Because she uh-huh. from him. Now she's going to hear it firsthand from the, the visitors. Behind the door. <laughs> from behind yeah, the door. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I definitely think so because of Romans 4, that Abraham isn't having trouble, but that she is. Um, verse 11 Sarah's old. She's advanced in years, um, it says there. So she laughs. Now, there seems to be, especially based on the reaction, a very clear difference in the laughter of Sarah and Abraham. Well, you've got to uh, say that the way a woman sees, she went through menopause, so this has got to be right. miraculous. Uh-huh. It isn't just like this old grandma that has the, that we read, out, read about in the news. Okay. What news? Like that, you hear sometimes some old like lady a 60 year old lady had. had IV in vitro fertilization and had yeah. kids or whatever. This, yeah. this is impossible. Yes. So she laughs. And again, the laugh <laughs> is probably uh, kind of laugh um, compared to a ha-ha, that's funny, <laughs> or that's exciting, or something like that. Um, now, my version reads that she laughed at herself. Um, King James says within herself. Like, that is, it didn't come out, but... Um, I think, Mark, you said yours said in herself? To herself. herself. Okay. Um, Kind of a difference there. Um, There's obviously a reason why this manuscript thought that was the way and this one thought that one was the way. But either way, her eyes are on herself. Um, So uh, she sees this as an impossibility, and it is, uh, humanly speaking. 
Um, and so she looks at herself, human, humanly speaking, and decides that this is impossible. You know, I, I think here I can see myself easily going down the same path that she was um, in that I've, I've trusted the Lord for this thing, and it's been a year, it's been five years, ten years, and the Lord hasn't shown up, and I've let my heart believe again and again and again that it's just in His timing, and don't worry, it's in His timing, and it hasn't happened, and I'm just not going to open up my heart again to that. Um, so I can see what, where she, what she's going through. Um, I think sometimes we want to criticize her and be like, man, she doesn't have that faith like I do. And you're like, yeah, right. You know, the reality is we're all right there as well. Um, notice she laughs kind of to herself, uh, and yet the Lord sees. The Lord knows the inner thoughts of each of us. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. Um, and so you might as well just tell him what's going on in your heart. You don't have to fake your prayers, and you don't have to, um, in a sense, no, I want to be careful with this, but in a sense, you don't even have to be completely, totally, theologically uh, perfect in your prayers. You can be honest with the Lord. So I know God is good, and God is wonderful, and, and all that, but I think I can honestly say, Lord, I'm having a real hard time thinking that you're good right now. And that's honest, that's bearing my heart. Obviously, I know that he is good, and so I would have failed the test if I said, oh, I'm not sure if God's good, but I'm just saying, honestly, we can come before the Lord, because he knows anyway. Nothing is hidden from him, and it is good. I remember an experience, I, uh, I was out of college, didn't have a job for the career that I uh, had studied for, um, and was trying to wait on the Lord and be a good Christian who died just trusting the Lord, you know, this kind of thing. And there was a situation, I thought this was the job. Wow, Lord, look at you. You're amazing. You know, all those months I had struggle and I was doubting you. Look what you've done. You've come through. You're so much wiser than I am. And then that job fell through. And so my emotion, I'm just all over the place. And that was the first time, I was a Christian for about four and a half years. That was the first time I was completely honest with God in prayer. Um, perhaps other than, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Um, but I just sort of laid it all out, and it was so good for me. And it, I think my relationship with the Lord really just turned a corner there. I finished my prayer with, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I'm going to keep trusting you. Um, but I think I learned some things about myself, the Lord, my walk with the Lord, trust um, in all of that. So he knows anyway. Now here's another question. If the Lord does see all these things, even the secret things, um, do you think that might, and you really believe that, do you think that might cause you to live your life a little bit differently? Yes. Yeah, okay. Sure. When you stop to think about it. Smart. <laughs> <laughs> smart, good. Yeah. So when you stop to think about it, sometimes you don't think about or remember that he can know your mind. Convince yourself, well, I'm safe here mm. in what I'm thinking here and in my heart. Mm. But then you realize, oh, yes, he does know. Even that he knows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, when I was working with a lot of youth, oftentimes a question would come up uh, as far as morality and how far is too far and, mm. you know, this kind of thing. And 
one of the things that I, I heard said that I thought just, here's an easy answer for you. If Jesus were sitting in the room with mm-hmm. you, is that too far? You know, is that too far? If your mom was sitting, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so uh, I, I do think, you know, there's some, uh, there's just a very practical, helpful aspect to trying to just, you know what, he is right here. Um, so I think I'm in the secret place and everyone else is in bed or something and I'm in the secret place and no one will know he's right there. You know, I, I have these thoughts in my mind that I entertain he's right there. You know, so chew on that a little. Alrighty. Um, now, it, the Lord says to Abraham, why is, uh, why is Sarah laughing? Um, why is God telling Abraham? Shouldn't he just go tell Sarah? Like, hey, He's why the head you of the house. The head of the house, the spiritual head of the she's house. She's hiding behind the door, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So they're outside. She's, she's inside. Right. So Abraham's between... Yeah, but they could... Would you excuse me for a minute? Excuse me, ma'am. You, know, you probably don't realize, but I heard you snicker in here or whatever. Like, but I think it's the idea that Abraham is the spiritual head of the home, and so um, he's the one that's dealt with. And this, the uh, Lord says, is anything too hard for the Lord? Um, and really, this is what it all comes down to. Um, will we or will we not trust that God is able to do what he says? Um, and Sarah here She'll come around, um, which is good, but she's having a hard time right now trusting that God can do what he says. Um, give her a child this time next year. Um, now, she defends herself. She says, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. And I feel like when I was teaching high school, and you catch kids red-handed. Yeah, I looked I didn't right do at it. you. Yeah, I didn't I do it. right at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Lord confronts her. Um, but what doesn't he do? He doesn't have a man yeah, yeah, what would you do? I would, you know what I would do? That's it, lady. Look, lady, if you're going to have a bad attitude about it, forget it. I'll just move on to somebody else in another family. You know what I mean? Like, isn't that what you would do? No. Well, why didn't he just, like, boom, you're, you're, you're pregnant right now, you're going to give birth right here. I'll prove it to you. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, why do you think? Oh, I don't know. I'm just, I, you said, what would, why, what, what, you, what would you have done? That's what you would have done? Well, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think it's just that grace again. That's yes. You know, it's just the grace. Like, okay, I busted you. We're just gonna drop this. Yeah. Yeah, there's a neat verse in Second Timothy. What was that? I'm sorry. He's faithful. He'll. He, he made a covenant. He promised something. He does it. You know any Bible verses about that? Second <laughs> 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 Timothy two thirteen says, "If we are faithless, he remains faithful, because he cannot deny himself." So, uh, we see that. I'm sure every one of us can say we've seen that many, many times uh, in our lives as well. So, uh, this time next year. Now there, there is a story in between. Well, a few actually, uh, before Isaac actually comes. So. Now we start getting down to a lot of recorded things here in this next nine months. But that is the Lord reiterating to Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a child uh, and through that child that the Messiah will come. All right? We'll pick up where we left off next week, which should be good. Okay. So we're going to close in prayer. Father, we, uh, I think we've all been there. Lord, where Sarah uh, was just having trouble believing, um, or maybe not willing to open up our hearts to believe. 
Lord, that uh, you will do or can do what you said you would do. And Father, I pray that uh, for each of us, Lord, that you'd build our faith, even if it's just a little bit of faith, that you'd build it to the point where our eyes are firmly fixed on you. Lord, where even if we're convinced or if the circumstances are such that it is an impossibility, Lord, that if you tell us it, this is going to be the way it is, then we believe that and we trust that and we walk in that and by faith. So, Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, I just think of that dad who said that I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, help ours. Lord, uh, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, friends. You guys are the best. Fun conversation again. Thanks again for listening to the Sermon Podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.